0: Welcome to the All-Star Networking Podcast. It's the show where you hear from a new expert each week on how to build an all-star network, increase business sales, grow careers, find a job or enrich your life. Let's get it started. From the Midtown Global Market in Minneapolis, here's your host, Kathy Paper. Thank you for joining today. Well I'm so happy to have both of you here. I want to have both of you introduce yourselves first and then what I love about shows where my guests don't know each other is it always unfolds of
1: networking and good connections. I am Atum Azahir uh, and I am um, a 45 year resident of uh, this community. The community as in South Minneapolis Midtown Global Market is um, what I think of as someone, some, somewhat of a a, a touch point for many, many people uh, who come into Minneapolis. Um, but I think that uh, having been here for that many years in this area, I'm very uh, connected to the community residents in the Powderhorn and Phillips Planning District, which is a larger than Phillips neighborhood kind of area, which I think really uh, is more than seventy or 80,000 people when you think about the planning districts and size of them. So um, I know people, and my children went to school in this area. All my children are now adults and have their own children. So all of those years of living here, I also am um, really uh, uh, connected to people in such a way that I was invited to become a part of the group who really uh, started the Midtown Global Market. And the, no- the nonprofit organizations who, are the, who were the owners at the time that I began was uh, NDC, Neighborhood Development Center, LEDC, which is the Latino Economic Development Center, And ADC, African Development Center, and the Cultural Wellness Center. So the four nonprofits who were, who's, who's, uh, who are all organizers, conveners, uh, very community as in people driven. uh, And I think the the work that we brought, because I am also the founder of the Cultural Wellness Center, and I think the, the thing that we brought and we're recruited to participate in, is always making sure that the residents of this area felt a sense of ownership of the Midtown Global Market, because the Sears Tower, you know, had been standing here for so long. So, uh, being here now uh, with you, and being here and seeing us having gone the culture, the um, Midtown Global Market having gone through COVID and gone through. George Floyd and gone through so much it's like my life you know you go through all of these major 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 struggles and you come out on the other side as life you know really um, has has given you lots of miracles during that process of struggle so that's who I am I'm very happy to be here and this is really great to be a part of a podcast yeah
0: (laughs) I love it. Thank you for being here. I, I, I'm happy yes. to have you be part of the podcast. Our second guest, <laughs> because we are all about connecting, is Julie.
2: Let everybody know who Where you are, are okay. what you're about. I don't think I can top it to him. I have Julie for a reason. Right. Keep right. that in mind. So I am a couple of things. You, Kathy, and I have known each other through my sister Mickey for a long time. Um, but I am, I am a writer and editor, and I am also a leader in the talent acquisition space. So I've been consulting for a long time. On Monday of next week, I start a new chapter with a company called DigiKey in Thief River Falls. So I'm excited to lead that team in talent acquisition at a time when the job market is on fire. It's, it's a really interesting time to be in recruiting. Nice. Nice. I love that. That's me. That's you. But let's also, because I want
0: to have so many things on the table about you as the author, is because that was where we worked together was publishing your book. Yes. And I said to you before we started, you know, that literally your book, and I published and helped people promote a lot of books through my career, but it was titled Hospice is Not a Place, It's... The people, people. it's people, and I remember you had a page in your book that you said tear this book page out and put it on the fridge because it had all the instructions of what to do during hospice. Oh, you are
2: good. Yes, I was looking forward to
0: talking to you (laughs) because as I, you know, reach the age with aging parents or friends with aging parents too, your journey into hospice was very
2: interesting to me. It was such a big part of who I've been. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I had been volunteering for hospice for years and when I got into hospice they did an interview and they said, you know, why do you want to be a hospice volunteer? I had four little children, I had a full-time job, my husband traveled, Mm -hmm. why do you want to be a hospice volunteer? And I said, I don't know. And the woman I was talking with said to me, you'd be surprised at how often people say that. And so I, she let me in. (laughs) Let me do it. I got all the training. Eventually, trained my dog to come with me. Um, So I knew a lot about hospice, but when my dad jumped into hospice, I'm ninth of 11 children in our family, no one would listen to me. My brothers, my sisters, they thought that what I had done for 10 years prior didn't really relate to their dad, Mm. my dad. And so ultimately we got through it. It was a brilliant, beautiful experience. But afterward, I wrote the book I wished I could have just handed to my brothers uh, and my sisters. And they all contributed to it. They all helped. And an interesting thing about networking is that book, Hospice Isn't a Place, It's People, is marketed solely through word of mouth. It's on Amazon, but I don't send, you know, I don't have it in a bookstore or anything and I continue to sell a couple copies a month. <laughs> it's it's something that when people know it's out there and they know someone's in a situation where it's useful, it's mostly my brothers and sisters who have really evangelized and said you gotta have this, it's, it's helpful, tear mm. that page out, it's gonna mm. help you. And mm. people come back and say that was helpful. So you know, talk about networking. Yep. You know,
0: but I'd le- I mean, again, it's on my mm-hmm. mind because there, there were. I feel like there are these stages of life where I, I always say I get more instructions on how to handle them when I leave Best Buy with a new TV than you get <laughs> on <laughs> birth or death or you know, COVID. We didn't get a lot of instructions about how to deal with
2: that, and so your book has always stuck with me. So well, nice. I'm glad glad to you remember that.
1: When did you write it?
2: I wrote it in 2013.
1: Okay, and it's so still very it's, useful. It's That's, still useful to yeah. people,
2: and I've I've rewritten it one time. I revised it once, but a lot a lot um, a lot of it was relevant and decent. So I just took the typos out.
1: Sure, yeah. sure.
2: So you said your dad? Did your
1: dad? um
2: my dad passed. Yeah, he was in hospice just for about a
1: month. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes.
2: But anyone who wants to know more about that, I am always. My family loves to talk about it because we just had a we did have a really interesting, good experience, and um, that kind of that's the kind of thing you talk about all the miracles you've had and all the experiences you've had. It's interesting how that situation plays into things. I've done since. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had to navigate that. And we, like, Kathy, you with your parents, you have to navigate. And I think it throws different synapses together in your brain to say later, I can handle something else because I got through this. You know.
1: So I'm, I'm familiar with hospice because I, too, uh, uh, worked actually in a nursing home for oh, many, many you years. Yeah, I did. Okay. And um, was introduced to, hus- to hospice through working with the aged. But then my mother, who uh, had breast cancer, and also who my mother and father were in a car accident, and my mother survived the car accident and was in hospice for actually almost a year yeah and wow. it was uh, as you say I mean the experience is one that I continue to remember um, how how did your family uh, deal with the ultimate end I mean end of life so when you say hospice often they think you know end of life but how did they deal with like okay this is it did they did hospice give them a chance to? rethink that whole concept of he's gone, we're never going to see him again, and start the grieving process even before the person uh, passes on?
2: I think, I, I think it really forces that conversation. There were so many people when I was volunteering for hospice who were in nursing homes, like, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, um, mm-hmm. who didn't have that family around them. That's why we would go Yes, they didn't have family. But when it's your own family, and maybe you know with your mom, it forces the conversation around how do we say goodbye and what, what, what's unsaid and what isn't. Um, he lived longer than anyone said he would. They said, this is his last day. And then the next day was, this is his last day. And I... I knew from experience, maybe it wasn't, but we still behaved as if today was the last day. Yes, And we yes, get five yes. extra days. Yes, Pretty soon, we're trying to bore him to death, you know, <laughs> telling him <laughs> stories. Yes. Poor guy, yes, poor yes, guy. Yes, but yes. he, um, but it introduced, so you're sitting in a quiet place with someone who isn't very responsive, and in our case, it was a small apartment with 10 siblings. And some nephews and nieces who came in and out. And that conversation happens because what else are you going to do? You're going to talk. And so we learned a lot about each other. And we fought. (laughs) We we disagreed on some things, you know. But at the end of the day, some of us left while he was still alive and said, you asked about the very end. Yes. um, Because we were supposed to be on shifts. And now we're all exhausted like okay it's not my shift I'm going to leave and, and three of us left and we all said I've said everything I'm okay and he's okay if I leave he doesn't need me to take him to the next place and um, that turned out to be the right decision at the end and the people who needed to see him go were the ones who were there mm. so, did you mm. have that experience with your mom?
1: yes yes I did, but i I was thinking of uh there were just two children my myself and my brother who's, oh, okay. oh he's he also transitioned now, but he was um my brother lived in lived in Milwaukee, and we lived here, so they had to travel you know to come and so when they were here on the weekends or whenever was their time with my mother, and sure. so you all did it in shifts, and we did it based on where their visitation, you know, how often they could come. And so when he was here, that was, uh, it gave me a chance to take time off. Because like you, you know, the medical providers said, th- this is it. And so they <laughs> often say. But they don't know. <laughs> they, they don't know
0: because I want to know when do you say, people use the word hospice. And I'm like, sometimes I've heard it, you have know, five days. And sometimes I've heard it's. Nine months. So I. Well, don't know.
1: and I, I actually. Uh, this, we were, we, it was over a year. But the thing about it is that there, what I learned is that the other people, because we were over at Fairview.
2: Oh, I was with Fairview. Maybe I met your mom. I, I don't mean. Know.
1: It was, it was, uh, <laughs> well, it was 1995. I can tell you exactly I was there. when it was. Yeah. And. What do you mean so, the other people, too? People who also had their relatives, the. Patients and their families who were also in hospice. Oh, so you we were in a
2: hospice setting? Yes. Oh, lots of people
1: just do it at home. Yes. Yeah. Yes, now I think more people probably do it at home than, you know, than uh, when hospice first started. Lots of people now do it at home. But I think the most important thing was that other families struggled. And my mother has a tendency, even on her deathbed, to connect with people (laughs) (laughs) so when we visited we were visiting everyone's family and uh lots of conversation and you know really getting to know people um and so that was um kind of a lasting uh experience for her the care providers us you know so it it really turned out to be a very you were there to support each other we became right we became the supporters of other people um, and is that how your mom wanted it to be? That's how she is. I mean, her personality was such that she would just make things, make make people happy and connect. And so lots of people spent time with her. Uh, and then she was a great conversation. You know, she was she, that magnet she was, she was, to other yeah, people. Yeah, she was. Under, <laughs> un, under that kind of, um, uh, kind of uh i don't i want the 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 shadow over her that this is the end of her life it almost was as if she took the time to make that time whatever amount of time it was going to be a very good time for it sounds like you all did too well the idea within hospice
2: so hospice happens when you stop trying to treat your illness you say there's nothing more that we can do, but there's always more you can do in terms of living your life. And so at Fairview at least the philosophy was you're we're living until we're not living. So we would I would go do scrapbooking with people or take them on walks. I mean just because you know you're not going to get better doesn't mean you have to stop being who you are. And your mom what a great experience. She got to continue to care for people and that's yeah that's what she would have wanted to do and yep. so yeah i didn't know we were
0: going to talk about
2: yeah, but this today. is
0: where what you said tomb <laughs> too, and your mom sounds lovely of the connection what i think has been fascinating why i say i remember your book is again at certain stages of your life more than ever you want community and you want you said your book is all by referral of your siblings Knowing there's that moment when somebody says, mm-hmm. I need and then, something, and then yeah. they need something. I mean, to me, that's the yes, we're talking about this on a networking podcast because all the more places where you network and connect, yeah. at least for me,
2: I, yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: and, and maybe and I, it's a long, too long a segment, Matt, because you went and got a coffee and a couple glasses <laughs> of water, but <laughs> I really, I mean, I can't say enough to me,
2: I think that's where like connection happens. Connection was so important at that point in my life with my family. Um, And connecting about it later now is, you know, I get excited about it because it's, I mean, I don't get excited that people are in a hospice situation. That's no fun, you know. Um, I don't wish that on anyone. But I also did hospice work with children. And that was especially invigorating because... They, with children, you can continue to be treated. You know, you don't have to stop taking medications or whatever you're doing. And um, we're just there to make those last days, weeks, months you know, full mm-hmm. and to help with siblings and things like that. But having a network of people who have either been through it before or, you know, even hearing your story about someone in it, you know, your mom in the hospice center connecting with other people i just think having that not everybody wants community around them at the end of their lives but if you do it is magical to have someone say i get it i know i've been there i know each time it's different but i get it you know but you know i can
1: i can this brings from brings up for me the idea that right now there are so many people who um Uh, Most recently, I I saw a book by the Surgeon General that's called... I think it's called Togetherness or Getting Together or something like that. Uh, But the idea is that people are so lonely. And so uh, following COVID, uh, people are very, very lonely. Uh, The Cultural Wellness Center speaks to this idea of individualism. So when you talked about community, uh, one of the ways that we... Uh, think about uh, belonging and connecting is that much, much more research now proves that sadness and aloneness and um, uh, this idea that we don't belong, that there is no place for us, that we are not worthy of love, and all of those things are coming up really strong right now. So... Hospice is not just about death. I mean, uh, it really is about the idea that the length of life possibly extends beyond the physical presence of a person. So what else is there? There are memories, you know. There are relationships.
2: Oh, there's There impact. are these
1: experiences that if we can uh, cultivate and harvest uh, those experiences, you know, Uh, it really does connect to your point about networking. So it isn't about just wanting to have someone around you at the end of life. It is really the fact that our living has to do with living a good life has to do with, or the search, the research is being done on happiness. And who are, who are the people who most, who rate the highest on this scale of happiness? It's people who are connected people who are uh, in close you know intimate long-standing relationships. So if we can show uh, if we can in our lives you know begin to build and connect and get to know people and uh, go outside of our kind of comfort zone of being alone not only would our life be better but so will our death. So, I mean, that's how I connect this, is that um, I think we... Uh, I would say back to the Midtown Global Market. I think the market is really uh, a place, talk about a place, a space. It's it's like not just a physical space. The market is also a place and space that really is about the, the kind of... Uh, connecting that happens from around the world so people in this area we have uh, the most diverse I would say that this part of Phillips and Powderhorn uh, planning districts not just the neighborhood have a very very large number of uh, people from around the world probably the most uh, I would say diverse areas in, in Minneapolis in terms of language that are languages that are spoken. Uh, I don't even remember the numbers anymore, but a very large percent of the people speak, you know, three, four, five different languages. In the schools that are right around here, there are many, many languages spoken under one roof in the schools. So I think that networking concept and the connectivity concept, and the belonging, and all of those things that we're talking about—really uh, relational kind of—everyone is focusing right now on the, the not transactional, but relational uh, uh, connecting, Re- connecting with you on a not just a transactive uh, level, but on yeah. a on Looking a soul level, connect- on an intimate, connection. you know. Having the capacity to empathize and to so forth, so that's how I make the connection between hospice, what we're doing now, the concept of uh, living and dying, happiness, and um, really getting over ourselves.
2: <laughs>
1: wow, that you have packed it all
2: in. <laughs>
1: I like that. We just have to get Whoa. over ourselves, you know, and get and get into. What other people are living and, and doing. But when you're deeply
2: lonely or alone or isolated, even in a crowd, it's sort of hard to reach out and build that network. And if you're not your, you or your mom, I'm, a, I'm telling you, I'm a shy person. Nobody believes it, but deep down I am. Sometimes it's hard to know, you know, what if I reach out, what might happen back? You know what? might but that response. I, I would to?
1: encourage you to think about what that experience, how that ex- what experience shaped your thoughts about that. Yeah. So this is not therapy either. No. <laughs> no, no, no. No. But I think I know,
2: it's a. Big, but I think it's something people need to think about as far as yeah. networking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how did you? So for a shy person, mm-hmm. how have you figured out? how to connect because as you were talking I imagine I'm at Midtown Global Market and I come for lunch and maybe I'm lonely and I come by myself or I'm new to town and I have my lunch tray you know and you can go sit in the common area and okay by the way a tomb has waved at seven people and you have waved at <laughs> two so I love this yeah. this is where connection and community it's a new is place great. yeah anyway, so how do you as the shy person how do you Take that first step. What's your What's your framework? How, how do you help somebody that's listening? Go. Okay. I want to join. Do you join something? Do you show up? What do you do?
2: I I think show up is a big deal. I think show up first. <laughs> yeah. Get out. In come come to the market. For example, go get get online if you're on LinkedIn. Right. And and show up. Ask a question. Make a comment. Smile at somebody. Just do it. And the response. So often is positive you can' you a tomb and I didn 't know each other, but she held the door for me, so I said hi when I came through it's easy to do that, and I thought, oh, that's a nice person, you know, but i didn't know we'd be, we'd get to know each other that was fun um you don't know I the told world is you it always works it out. always <laughs> works out <laughs> <laughs> but I, I work with a lot of I'm in recruiting, so i I, you know, in talent acquisition, so my job is to speak to strangers day in and day out and get personal information about them and then use that to help them. So that's, mm-hmm. so I have to do it, but what I talk to young people about a lot is people want to help other people. You know, take your mom, for example. People want to help other people, and so it's okay to ask someone For an idea or an opinion or for help or even just to throw it out there, you know, show up and say, I'd like to know more about what you do. Um, Maybe for a young person choosing a career, coming out of school or whatever it is, um, just ask people about themselves. People like to talk about themselves. You, You know, we know that. And that's a nice way into developing relationships with people and networking, connecting.
1: But it is, it is, it's it has to be stated though that it is not easy. The market has to work hard for all of us to get to know one another and to after all these years, 17 years we're not any further ahead than many of the other locations that are supposed to be for all people from various backgrounds. So Uh, Getting to know one another is very difficult. The residents of this community are going, I think, now to have another chance at making this their destination for understanding and interacting and uh, learning from other cultures. I think that we uh, now, you know, it's popular to talk about diversity and inclusion, Um, And I've lived many years, so I know this is another kind of (laughs) Does it feel like a wave? It feels like a wave. But I think there's something different now. You know, because of uh, Brother George Floyd's murder, because of the uprising, because of the struggle that everyone has actually had to participate in, uh, because of the business owners here, are not here just to make money. Business owners here are, in many, many cases, carrying out their life purpose. Uh, many of the business owners are bringing their own national, uh, ethnic, and cultural peoplehood into this market. And food is, is in many, many cases, uh, a symbol of, uh, of, of who they are. Uh, and who their family is, you know, and who their people are. So I think it's a very difficult task to be under one roof from all of these different backgrounds and walks of life and make it work. So I would say to you that, because I was here for a long time, I would say to you that, Matt, you have brought to it a kind of... um, a kind of energy and receptivity and, yes, talent at making it easier for people through you to connect. So the events that you have, you know, the kind of um, conversation and messaging that's happening now that say, look what's happening here. Um, I think people are starting to have a curiosity about, oh, so they're not dead. Speaking of death. <laughs> <laughs> Who's not dead? The market? <laughs> the market? The market is not dead, you know. Oh, no. It's alive, well. is it's alive and well. It's alive and well. It is not dead. the, the, it is the business more business alive. There are several business owners who have been here for the entire 17 years. They have been here through it all. Many of them were actually protecting. They were the security system uh, during the uprising who really were around on the outside, they were the ones. So I think that this this market is, once again, not a place, as in a physical place, but it is a space and a place, uh, I think, theoretical and philosophical place where people can connect or people can come and just sit and watch. I mean, if you're a shy person... You don't have to do anything. But you do really have to get out of your house and come and I think being together we will learn how to make eye contact, you know, and next thing you know you'll be dancing together. Next thing you know you'll be eating together. You know what I mean? So, I think it's a very, it's a very very hard job though. Uh, it's very hard. So, I think the years of working to make it last and now working to uh, see it rise again, uh, it's a lot of work, so I'm very happy to I'm very happy for the, for the podcast. We might reach people who would not come here otherwise. Right. We might connect with people who would not know that there are actually um, people here who would receive them openly and warmly and welcomely
2: and the food is so good.
1: And the food is good. That's right. And the right. shopping.
2: There's and the shopping.
1: Events. And the events. <laughs> place. Yes.
0: yes. And the piano playing at the beginning of the show is I a know.
1: little We'll see whether Matt can edit that piano playing out. But there
0: is a piano that anyone can play it.
1: And <laughs> that and and that's a pianist who is just learning. Could you yes, tell I in the background?
0: Yes. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Matt was getting his coffee. So. So here's a specific question about the, the network and finding time for building a network or making connections is how, how do you find time to do it? Are you intentional about saying, I want to connect with new people each week
2: or what what's your lens on your network? To say, here I am, mm-hmm. you know, and then be yourself in a way that isn't just networking to get something, mm-hmm. but more around what can I learn from you and what can you learn from me? How can we help each other and... How can we dance, you know, how do we
1: do that? I don't think of networking, I think of relationships, and uh, I don't think of going to meet people. I think, you know, for the first time, or um, I am very, very um, actively Uh, My my core is to be active, so I probably spend more time thinking about how I'm not going to be with people than how I'm going to be with people, because um, on a day-by-day basis, you know, it's a part of my culture to be in family and community, and community nor family is biological. We live, you know, uh, we eat together, we do many, many, many things together. So I think I, I really think the market has some of that cultural uh, gathering uh, kind of spirit, where where people give and share, and uh, so so that's really at the core of for me. So when you said networking, I was I was thinking about as I said to you, you know, kind of what what is. Networking sounds very, quote-unquote, quote, professionalized. It sounds academic. Uh, it sounds, um, like, uh, intentional but transactional. So I, I really do think it's about relationships. Um, living is about relationships. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's a, a part of my personality, and it's not just my individual personality, But collectively, when you have lots of African people in the market, I'll bet you the level of interaction goes up 50% immediately. Or the various other cultural backgrounds, you know. They they very seldom come in the market alone. Got a family member, a friend. uh, People come here to meet to have a safe place to be collective. You remember that many people have not, ha- not been able to be in group without someone thinking they were about to start a riot or something. So many people are very happy to have a space, a location, where they can uh, really be together. Um, I also think that the, the questions around socioeconomic, you know, like, uh, do we network just with people who have something? We are going to be together, like it or lack like it. Not, we're not going to be able to sit in our own homes and not connect right. in the future. It's just, it's just, not going to happen. So I'm very happy that networking is coming more, is becoming more than professionalizing, looking for resources, uh, becoming kind of a who do I know? You know, who do I know that will help me do what I have to do? Versus who do I know? Who uh, have these same experiences that I do, who can share with me how they got through this particular period or through this particular issue that I'm struggling with right now, and I think that happens quite a bit here. It does so. I think. I think also. Uh, to be honest, I think it's a col- it's a cultural practice that now is going to become uh, the 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 supreme way to be, to be with people.
0: Right. But it is. There's something about the connection or yep. building, the, building the community, and to that point of the belonging. Um, you know, both yep. both of you are all stars at building it, and I knew there would be a lot of, of synergy between <laughs> um, each other. There's, I guess I will. I will say
2: thank you both of you so much for being guests today on the
0: All Star Networking Show.
2: One final. I think we didn't know where this conversation was going to go today, and sometimes that happens with networking, but it reminds me of a poem by David White, and the two lines that come to mind are, put down the weight of your aloneness and ease into the conversation. And I think that sums up networking for me. Just come on in and let's see what happens. So thank you. Thanks yes. for including me in mm-hmm. your conversation. Uh, Appreciate it, awesome.
1: Kathy. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Very nice to meet you. It's wonderful. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to the All-Star Networking Podcast with Kathy Paper. To learn more about strategic networking and making impactful connections, visit rockpaperstar.com. Please join us in supporting the Midtown Global Market as a vital community resource that supports small business, cultural diversity, and free or low-cost programming.
1: Reach us at friendsofglobalmarket.org.